Motown Rundown. Um, today is Wednesday, May 3rd. Almost May 4th. It would have been nice if we could have recorded on May 4th. We could do one of those. Well, it May comes out on May 4th. With you. Yeah, okay. So, hang, on, yes. hang on. 30 second time out here, and it's not going to take 30 seconds. Brian Collins has never seen Star Wars. Yeah, that's right. not. And it shows. What's it called? I will say, I don't like, I don't chirp. I just, and by the way, if you go to the gym, you realize that TNT is always on. And for some reason, the last five years, any Star Wars movie is on TNT half the time. Like, you really, yeah. I, 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 seriously, like before any NBA game, it's like, it's, it's either like Godzilla versus King Kong or, yeah. uh, like the newest Star Wars movies. So, I've seen bits and pieces, but I'm not a Star Wars guy. That was a really nice yeah. plug for Ryan Collins that let everyone know that he goes to the gym. You know, I basis. five days a week. Uh, you know, <laughs> on nothing on special. I'm not trying to get huge, just maintenance. Just maintain it. Just staying tone. Lean mass. Maintain. Not even tone. Just like maintain. <laughs> all right. Just so you the golf swing is. Have you played any golf this spring yet? I played about like five rounds. Five rounds. I've played once. I'm supposed yeah. to sub tomorrow in a league, but we'll see how I'm feeling. Is the um, weather going to be nice? That's I don't like know. None of these leagues have played. It's Should we talk crazy. about the weather? That's like a good, I don't really I mean, care. It's going to get nice this weekend. I guess, but that's what I was saying a couple weeks ago, and I got right back down to where we were now. Well, yeah, in the spirit of you know, in the spirit of the weather, Rabs, you went to a baseball game today. I went to yeah. a a little league game that some of my students were playing, and that was a great time. That was a lot of That's fun. That's nice. That's nice of you. Today, well, the weather, today, the weather it gets warm. It's nice. There's nothing better than just sitting and watching baseball. And and, and you know, if you know some kids on the team, it's great, right, Rabs? Come on. Yeah, well, that's very nice that you went to go support the students. That's always I always thought that was cool when teachers would do that. When my teachers would come watch me play. The, in well, my, here's in the my thing: I'm, like, career. I'm not a real teacher, so I kind of have that wiggle room of like I get to say things that are kind of like funny, like on the edge. You know what I mean? I, I like I I don't want to get myself in trouble. You sound, like, a, you sound like a comedian working blue. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like yeah, he, he says a couple things off colored, you know, but uh. He's hilarious. We do, yeah. We 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 get sketched. I'm right behind home plate. It's a lot of fun. I to be honest, doing high school baseball games. I love watching high school baseball. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it's just a shame that they play in. I mean, they play from March to the end of May, like maybe into June a bit. But you might only acquire a month of good weather if you're lucky at that. But. Yeah, that's what I was doing today. Just trying to stay young and watch the the, the hometown team. Uh, tough losses today, but nonetheless, whatever. Um, we're here. We've got a lot to talk about today. We did not get to any of the season recaps last week um, because we were doing the Lions pre-draft show. Um, but this week, we will recap the Red Wings season. We will catch up on the Tigers. Ryan Collins, for those for those loyal listeners that tuned in last week. Ryan Collins had to jet. He did not get to stick around for the Tigers talk, so we'll get him in the fold. And then, of course, we will talk Lions draft. Um, there was one thing. So, like, usually throughout the week when we're just chatting and things are going on in our lives, I mean, I, I think there is a cohort of people that really enjoys the the pre-show banter that we do. Um, even if you don't like sports, some people come for the banter. You always come for the banter. You stay for the Detroit sports talk. Exactly. Uh, but I had I had something to bring up. Um, 
So I was in Dallas this last weekend. My girlfriend Carly lives in Dallas. I was visiting her. Shout out, Carly. Shout out, shout out. Um, and, and so you know, I like to think of myself as a relatively easygoing guy. I'm a simple man. <laughs> um, I I try well, I try not. Do you guys think I'm am I wrong? No, Is that a bad assessment of myself? Start, no, it's anytime it's pretty go with the flow, but you are very I would say you are you're, you get worked you're, up. It's it's what you're about to say because I think you're just gonna tell the listeners what type of you are well, go with the flow until something throw like throws a monkey wrench. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Well, like as as time has gone on, and and especially you know, I've been doing a lot of travel this year for various reasons. So there's there's been things that I've just picked up on in in life that I've, I think as I've gotten older, things things get to me more and more, and just about observing people and society and the younger generations as a whole, but. Just just social things that I pick up on. My biggest thing, and this was not what the topic was today, but you know those moving walkways in the airport? Yes. Yes. I, I mean, truly, and honest, and I and I of course you can't make this a blanket statement because some people have ailments and you know bad knees and and whatnot. But if you if you stand still on one of those, you are a fucking you are an idiot. Like just I mean <laughs> Truly, like it's one of those things that I have such a hard time seeing the other side of because I know that the thing is split in half where it says you can walk on one side and you can stand on the other. Those things are not big enough to have two different lanes dedicated to two different things, especially when one of those things is standing still. If you ride on that thing and don't move your feet, you are going probably 50 percent slower than if you were just to just to walk on your own. And again, if you have ailments and issues, I guess I understand. But like that kind of stuff irritates me. Just a million, a million things I've picked up on at airports. But my big thing that I texted you guys about um, dogs. Now, I'm a dog lover. I have a dog. I used to have two. One has passed away. May he rest in peace. But for shout out Rocco, but for whatever reason, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, dogs like people are obsessed with bringing their dogs everywhere to do everything. We're out on Saturday, Carly and I are having brunch, we're you know, hopping around to a couple bars, having some beverages, enjoying the nice weather, and it just everywhere you go. Like we're at a, we're at some rooftop bar. There's a million people there. It's packed. It's loud. It's hot, and people are just strolling in with their dogs as people are trying to enjoy brunch on a Saturday. And for the life of me, I just don't understand it. If you if you are going to acquire a dog, and the same rule goes for having kids, you have to understand that your life has now changed forever. Oh, because you are having responsible. Having kids is way different, but. But but you the 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 moral of the story is you are now responsible for something that's bigger than yourself and you owe that animal or or baby the the courtesy of putting it in good situations and not putting it in bad situations and taking care of it. Part of owning a dog, if you're going to be, you know, in your mid 20s, which many people do when they live on their own, you have to make some tough choices. And so for me, if you're going to go out to have brunch on a Saturday and, and do some day drinking and go around town, that's fine. You can leave your dog at home. There's no reason 
to have the dog out. If you feel like you need to take your dog outside to get fresh air and get it to stretch its legs, that's fine. Wake up an hour earlier and take it on a walk because you bringing your dog to this rooftop bar where it's loud and it's hot and people are stepping on it and now it's causing a scene because people are trying to walk and, you, of course, you get the one the one girl that's had 13 mimosas and now she's bent down petting the dog, making a scene too. It's not necessary. I don't know who in the, like, I would never do, that's borderline animal abuse, first of all. So you either go out to have drinks and leave your dog at home. And if you can't, for whatever reason, leave your dog at home or whatever the circumstances are that you feel like you have to bring your dog. Well, I got news for you. Stay the fuck home with your dog. <laughs> that's just the bottom line. Like you, that's, so you don't that's like dogs. Of, so you're not a dog. I literally the first thing out of my mouth was that I love dogs. But you have to meet me halfway. Like that. that that's fuck. It's ridiculous. Stay home if you can't leave your dog at home because it has accidents in the house, or it, oh, I want. I really want to go out, but so my dog's dog a puppy. Stopped. It can't be left along. No, it had nothing to do with the dog. That there's no, just dogs it had everywhere. to, to do something. You're just upset with a dog being there? No, I'm upset with the owner that like that they felt the need to bring the dog out on a Saturday at a packed rooftop bar. It's so nonsensical. What is the point? Like, what are you, you can't trying leave a to dog. do? You can't do daydreaming for 10 hours and just leave the dog without You're right. So then if that's what you want to do with your life, don't get a dog because you are responsible <laughs> for the dog. You're right, okay, Rabs, You cannot Rabs. day drink for 10 hours if well, you have Rabs, a dog. That was like my biggest thing ever. Like, There's always a buddy in college who said, we should get a dog for the house. And I'm like, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, and I'm like, and they'll be like, why? You don't like dogs? No, because I'm a, a normal human being and I'm not going to take care of that dog properly. Correct. That's, like, that's yeah, my be, only point. I, I, I like... Till I get to the point where I'm unselfish enough to like put someone else's priorities over mine. Sorry. I'm like, that's my own. That's my only point. If you want to go out and day drink for 10 hours a day, don't get a dog. I think having a dog is fine. If it's at like a brewery or something like that, I think that's in play. It's at a rooftop bar. But, that's a but, little weird. But let me ask you, why? Why does the dog need to be with you as a brewery? Love your pet. You want to be with your pet. What's oh, nothing for wrong with that? Sake. I, okay. You don't want okay. to leave it. Leaving a dog by itself for like 12 hours and you come back is maybe the saddest thing in the world. Well, no one said you had to leave it for 12. You shouldn't be leaving yeah, it for so 12. Yeah, but so you can't, you, you can't hang out with your friends then just because you have a dog? Cor correct. You cannot hang out yeah, with I your think friends you're, for I think 12 you're straight hours. And then you're you cannot you cannot hang out with your friends for an entire day. It's like, dude, it's like the same thing of when I'm at home. You can't here. leave the house ever with the dog? Can't take it on a walk? No, I don't get your logic. Of, of course you can take it on a walk, dude. I'm just saying when I... When I am here at my house and my brother's up at school and both of my parents are working or out of town, I can go hang out with my friends and do whatever I want to do. But, you know, when you're out for four hours or so, maybe even less, more, whatever, I have a responsibility to come back and let the dog out. I'm not going to bring the dog with me and make it sit outside with me for eight hours while I drink because I can't, I, I really can't I, leave and go back and let it out. Did the dog suck? 
Can you please just say that? I I don't even know. I don't remember. There was just a multitude of dogs. So it wasn't a good dog? Or were you just upset at the idea that there was all these dogs there? I was upset with the fact that people thought it was appropriate to bring the dogs. I think it is appropriate. And also, also with that too, again, with the baby thing, like there were people that brought their babies to the rooftop bar. And Again, if you're going to have a kid. Go somewhere else then, Rab. This seems like a you problem, Rab. I have to go. I, it had nothing. It had nothing. So to everyone, do. Has to, everyone has to be exactly like you, Rabs. Everyone has. No, I'm not saying that everyone has to dress the way that I do and listen to the music that I do and and I, I blah, blah, blah. Like if I was complaining about the music that was being played at this rooftop bar, that's a different story. I'm saying in in the grand scheme of life, if you're going to take on the responsibility of having a kid or an animal or that of the sort, there are certain situations that you don't need to put them in and put everyone else in around you. Like the people that brought the couple that brought their baby to the rooftop bar in the stroller, like, okay, you have a kid. You probably shouldn't be out here day drinking with everyone else that's 25 years old and doesn't have any response, real responsibilities. Like you decided to have a kid, you made your bed. Now you have to lay in it. So either a, you find a babysitter and keep the baby at home and you and your significant other can go out and have a good time. Or B, you just fucking stay home. Just stay home with the kid or do something else. that's age appropriate. A little off the, off the topic a tiny bit, but I went to Vegas a couple of weeks ago and like people were walking around the casino with their like two year olds. And I'm like, why are you bringing your child to this environment where people smoke inside and all anyone ever does is people are just gambling and you're seeing cartoon yeah. characters everywhere. I, so I, I understand the sentiment, but is Dallas really like that? I, I didn't get that vibe. Well, it's just, it's not, I mean, it's nice out pretty much all the time and there's a lot of young people and it's like very trendy for the young population to go get dogs, which is fine. Like, especially when people are living alone. I mean, I understand that like everyone's, everyone's an adult, you're growing up. It's fine. But I'm just saying like, there's like, for example, my girlfriend Carly has a dog. We don't bring the dog out when we go to the bar. It stays at home. We take it on walks. It goes outside to go to the bathroom. It doesn't come out with us when we're going out to day drink. We go, we just make sure we come back at a respectable time and aren't leaving the dog inside the house for eight hours at a time. And that's the responsibility that that we have and that she has, especially as a dog owner. She gets it. I get it. No one else seems to get it. And my final thing about the dog thing, people, people that leave their dog off the leash are, are some of the world's biggest assholes too. Like I, that, that has always, I understand like, good for you. Your dog is trained properly enough to where you don't have to have your dog on a leash and it won't run away. That's awesome. But the bottom line is you have a fucking dog, put it on a leash and pick up your dog shit too, please. It's just ridiculous. Like there's just certain things in life that are just so it's so simple. Your dog goes outside and it's not in your own yard. Put the dog on a leash for everyone's safety, for your dog's safety. And so shit doesn't happen. Good good for you that your dog is trained that well, that you can yell commands at it and it'll do flips and stuff. No one cares. Put your dog on a leash. And that's okay. it for dog talk. I disagree. I disagree. You should. So dogs can just run run wild on 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 with no leash. No leash. No, that's not what you're saying. All these dogs have leashes. Oh, I mean, I just just. And by the way, the baby thing. I think that's a very unfair thing to say. Why? Because I, you don't have a child. 
Correct. <laughs> and if I did, if I did, I would not be out. I, I, so on you're Saturday. just sitting in the house 24 7? No, again, with blowing things out of proportion. That's not what I said. Do a more That's family. That's basically what you said. Do a more family friendly activity than, okay. than, than being at a, at a packed bar, rooftop bar on Saturday. Or maybe give the baby up for adoption if you can't handle it. If that's if you really feel like it's you need not to go out ha- like not that. handling it, you're crazy, dude. Um, <laughs> I brought my baby got? to a restaurant. I can't handle it. I should put it up for adoption. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. I know I what you're like, saying. Listen, I think I hear what you're I saying, Rebs. I just think you're wrong. <laughs> okay, it just it's all about it's just all about situational awareness for me. Again, that it, I I get I get the sentiment, but I like. I would say, what's it called? It's a kid to, like, I would say they're at, like, Rick's at midnight with, like, their kid. And then I'm like, come on, get it together. Like, what are we fucking doing here? Well, but, yeah, like, I, being I, at a daytime bar, having, like, two beers with, like, your kid is not crazy. To each their own, I Shout suppose. Shout out, I went to Rick last weekend. I think I was the oldest person in that bar. Felt like an absolute loser. I heard Rick's is <laughs> It's turning around to be the 21 over bar. That's what I heard. Rumor on the street. Well, the well, Riv, yeah. no free ads. The Riv is the spot to be these days. Well, I mean, I haven't I haven't been up there since football season, but that was it was that. And then I, I shout out Mitch Man. I've heard some buzz that Shark is kind of a place now. That's huge. East Collins, you were the only person I think of when I think of the Land Shark. I think of Ryan Collins. You were the only person. Up. Fins East up. Lansing is better when the land shark buzzes. Like that's just like how Big Ten football is better when when Nebraska is good. Well, they're never really yeah. good. Uh, Pac-12 shark football is, is good when UCLA and USC are good. They're the New York Knicks of East Lansing. That's fair. Um, in other in other Michigan State related news, um, I am saddened to announce that after two years. Uh, I have now officially retired my season tickets for Michigan State football. Are you serious? I yeah. Well, here's here's my thing. First of all, my friend Eric, my friend Eric that I have that I get season tickets with that I have the yep. last two years. Champ Champ is moving to Cleveland in July to take the next step in his life and living with his girlfriend. So we we tip our cap to that. So he's like the guy that I would always come up to the games with. And usually between him and I, we would, you know, know somebody that's tailgating or whatnot. It just, it just gotten to the point where I don't really know anyone that's up in East Lansing anymore, especially after this year, my brother's up there, but he's going to be in the dorm again. So like, it's not like I can go crash at his house or whatever. And just, you know, having to do that on, on the Saturdays and going up there for every game, finding a spot to tailgate, beating the traffic to come home. I can't, like, I'm not going to stay up there every weekend. I'll be up there. But it's just time to put it, to, and especially because of the fact that, first of all, the first two years, I don't know why my laptop keeps, like, going to the screensaver when I'm clearly doing something important on here. It's a different issue. But the first two years, I got some kind of alumni break with the money, so it was, like, relatively reasonable. My after After it's all said and done, between like the the first of all, it's X amount of dollars to get a, your seat. Just to have a seat in the stadium is X amount of dollars, and I always get two because who just buys one season ticket? So I do. For, for you have one walk, well, but you have other buddies that we're sit in a group. With you all but the time. like yeah. we're in a group. Yeah. So I don't have yeah I don't have that, but 
Um, first of all, so you, you have to buy your seat and then you have to do your seat premium. So basically, if you want to sit anywhere that's not in the upper deck, that's on the other side of the field from the press box, you have to pay at least $50 a seat for the seat premium. Then they get you, of course, like your $20 processing and handling fee. And then even if you want to get the tickets mobily, they charge you an extra $20 for First whatever. First of all, tickets mobily, kick rocks. You might as well not. I don't want you with season tickets. Well, my first my first year I got them physically, but it's hard when you have to, like when you're selling tickets and you got to physically get them to people. Well, there's a way to do that. You can just do that on StubHub and they process it and make it into a piece of paper. Well, that's great too, but whatever. I'm not getting them this year because I would tell you that for my two tickets total, when it's all said and done, I was paying anywhere between $800 and $1,000. And I don't really, I, I just, I don't have it in me. So I'll be up that's there good. for the. I'll be up there for the Michigan game. I I would Washington I game's the big one this year. That'll be the best game this year. Well, I'll yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there for that one too. We're gonna get Carly in town to come to a game. She wants to go to a game, so we'll make that happen. But I just look again. If I if people aren't around, if people want me to go up there, I have no problem buying tickets. They're so hard to sell on StubHub, like the Richmond game. Like I'll I'll probably go up there for game one. I'll go up there for Washington. I'll go up there for you. That's a really good home schedule this year. It is. They rip. I mean, they rip off a ton of home games to start the year. But I just it, it's. To, to to charge that much money for for me to go, yeah, I'm gonna be honest, Rebs. That's not. I, I will say this as you could probably get your money back just selling your Washington and Michigan tickets. Well, I'd like to go to both of those games. I think no, but I'm sure. just saying, I, I I those the thing about it with those, it's I mean, Michigan State might not be very good this year, but like the Michigan Michigan State game when we went, what's it called, two years ago. I mean, those t- to get into the lower bowl, what was it, like $600 for those tickets? Oh, I don't – I thought – I was thinking more along the lines of 250 I have no idea. The, uh, like, to get in the stadium, you had to basically pay, like, 500 on game uh, during game time. It was, like, insane. Yeah. If you wanted, I mean, like, it just, it's just one of those things that I probably, if I was trying to – be strategic about it financially. I sh- I could have just bought both of them and then, like you said, sell those and make my money back and and whatever. No, but when I'm yeah, selling the friends, it's, it's always face value. It's not the point. I, yeah. Rabs, I get it. If you, it's a commitment, and if you're not not willing to do the commitment and it's a, a drag, why do it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I just think there's there's too many variables it for this year, especially that I wouldn't, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't make much sense, but whatever. I'll be up there. I renewed. Um, I got mine. Good. Thank you for supporting. Um, I also, by the way, this is a very weird thing. I pre, I got on the pre-sale for the Champions Classic. I'm like, I'm committed to going to the Champions Classic this year. Well, this is That's the year nice. to go. This is the year they to play go. in Chicago. Yeah, and the team's actually going to be very good. And they're going to play Duke. It's going to be fucking awesome. John Shire. Yeah. All right, very cool. Um, okay, we can. By start the way, with- I want to say this. Yep. If uh, so, the Michigan State football team. Quick side note, because we're all Michigan State football fans. Um, I have no idea what's going on. Keon Coleman might come back or whatever, and Payne Thorne, like whatever, he was not that great. He was a solid like game manager, quarterback, whatever. I'm not gonna like go out and say he was terrible. I don't think he was terrible, but um, I'm a little concerned. And it's not even just the transfer portal thing. It's the recruiting stuff. 
this is a make or break year. Not make or break. He won't get fired after this year. His just like if they don't at least win nine games, eight games, like they have the misconception. I just want this on the record of this Michigan State program right now is that it's talentless. There is a lot of talent on this football team, a lot of talent, and they've just they sucked last year. There was no explanation for them being that bad. And people want to be like injuries. There's no like there's no explanation. So I just want big year. I'm excited. Yeah, I'll be happy if they make a bowl game. To be honest with you, no, they should. If they don't make a, if they if they miss a bowl again, he actually probably should be fired. But we're paying him so much, they won't. So, well, just give Matt Ishby a call. By the way, not to go on another side tangent, I listened to Ishby on Simmons today. I was I was just gonna ask if you listened to that interview because it was great, and the Dan Gilbert thing is hilarious. Yeah, how much he just hates Gilbert. It's they so just funny. Hate each other. Yeah. Well, they're rival business since it's kind of funny though, because I have to imagine that Izzo, I think Izzo and Gilbert were boys for a while. And I just imagine that's not the case anymore because Ishbia just gives the program a million different things. And but like I just find it funny that I, I just see Ishbia walking into every Michigan State game and he sees the Dan Gilbert pavilion and he's like, fuck this. Like he's probably so mad. <laughs> I just love the idea of that. Um but yeah, it was cool. I mean, Ishbia, the thing about Ishbia that's like super, super weird is um it's just odd. Like yeah, you, you never like you just like, oh, there's this one Izzo guy who's pretty rich. And then out of nowhere he became like the biggest Michigan State alum. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's been a very like weird thing. I know he went public with his company and that kind of jump started it, but I don't know. Give more money to Michigan State athletics. That's all I care about. <laughs> Correct. Sounds good to me. Okay, now we will do some Detroit sports. Um, I guess we can start with the Detroit Red Wings recap. Admittedly, yes, the season season did end a bit ago. Um, We are in the midst of the NHL playoffs, which have been pretty pretty entertaining thus far, if I do say so myself. Um, The Rangers-Devils series was the worst seven-game series I've ever watched. Please elaborate on that. I, I, I just like... It's the point that, like, some sports, if it's close or if it goes to games, sometimes it's just not good. None of those games were entertaining. Like, Boston, Florida, all entertaining games. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then, I mean, the Rangers, I was watching that game on the plane coming back from Dallas on Monday. That that game seven, the Rangers really were truly not interested in even playing in the game, but... Um, but what, I mean, the playoffs are great. It's a, it's the the Red Wings playoffs or I'm sorry, not Red Wings playoffs that who knows if that'll ever happen again, but, um, the NHL playoffs are always a, a tremendous, tremendous event. So it's been great. Um, but we can talk wings for a bit. I, I don't know. Like it's, I really don't know how to like cover all of this in a way that's digestible, but I mean, I guess just to start. Your team finished with 80 points this year. They were 35, 37, and 10. Um, that was good for seventh in the Atlantic Division, um, which probably, I mean, I would say for for most people, like that's you're you're looking at this team and going like, what what has changed? What's improved? You know, are are they getting better? Like what? And when is this rebuild going to be over? Essentially, is what you're looking at. And so for me, I mean, granted. You know, 80, 80 points. I'd have to go back and look at what their what their point total was last year, but they're they're hovering around the same the same margin um, as far as their wins and losses and whatnot. And I think as someone that watches a lot of Red Wings hockey and as much as I can, 
the the team definitely this year looked a lot more competent. Yes, there were a couple games that were reminding of, you know, would remind you of years past where they would get the break speed off of them and not even be competitive. Um, But those games seem to be less and less apparent this year. Um, They were, you know, they had some nice wins against some quality opponents. They hung tight in some games, Uh, but the inconsistencies were still there. Uh, That's, that's something that you can't deny, but you know, for the most part, and we talked, I, I think when we were talking about this team around Thanksgiving, you know, one of the goals that I had for this team was be in a playoff spot come Thanksgiving. And they were like, they were in third place in the Atlantic and they were fighting for a wild card spot for a while. And in the two pivotal games were against Ottawa, where you lost and really got embarrassed in back-to-back games. And that was kind of the, the, you know, gave the kill switch for Steve Eiserman to not really blow this thing up, but part ways with some guys and be sellers at the deadline, you know, namely Tyler Bertuzzi, who had an incredible, postseason run with Boston obviously it ended it ended much shorter than everyone had anticipated um, but good for him he played well enough in the playoffs to where that's probably a guy that's going to command I don't know six six five from whatever whatever team he's going to next and I think that was kind of the fear of Steve Eiserman was like that's not a number that they were comfortable with paying him so see what you can get for him um, and he in credit to Tyler Bertuzzi, he elevated his game and, and deserves the money that he's going to get. Now, it looked like I mean, he was playing so well. You're probably sitting there as a Red Wings fan. Like, did they just absolutely blow this trade? But that's just the price of doing business. Philip Ronick's gone. Um, Oscar Sundquist's gone. I'm trying to think of who else they moved to. That that might be the end of the list. But um, Jacob Rana gone, too. So, I mean, it is what it is. And I, I think now the question becomes, like, what? at what point are we ex- are supposed to expect this team to make some sort of jump? Um, and I, I think a couple of the takeaways that I have from this year going into next year, number one, you sign, you, you finally signed Dylan Larkin to your extension um, 79 points in, in 80 games as, as a point per game player. And I say it all the time, a guy that's competent in all three zones, you can play on, on any special team unit. Um, and you know, I, I think as time has gone on, has solidified himself as the leader of this team. Um, you look at who the Red Wings threw out there on the ice with them. I mean, your next closest point scorer is David Perron, who had 56 points in 82 games. So Dylan Larkin by and large carried the load for your team this year. Um, probably wanted to see more out of Lucas Raymond, who just had 45 points in 74 games. Mo Sider finished with 42 points in 82 games. Um, so, you know, like that, that to me is the big thing is, is putting the puck in the net. Like they're not, they're still not good defensively. And, you know, I think you found a nice piece in Billy Huso who should be your goalie going forward for the next handful of years until Sebastian Cosa is ready. Um, if that's still the plan for Steve Eiserman, I truly don't know. Um, but, um, you just have to find some goal scoring and you, you sign Andrew Kopp to a big deal. Um, he puts up 42 points in 82 games as a guy that was hurt to start the year, but he played in every single game. Um, you, you, I, I probably a guy that if your team was a bit better, you wouldn't care that he only had 42 points with nine goals. I mean, you know, his game is is more of being a setup man for sure. But um, there's there's just too many question marks as far as like. And granted, when you're a rebuilding team and you're trying to get 
you're, you're acquiring these guys like a Dominic Kubelik and a Mo Sider and an Olimata and, and some of these guys that you're just kind of trying to give a chance and see if who you can get for cheap and, and, and see what they can do for you. You know, at a certain point, you got to make some decisions. Pew Suter is a, is a, a guy, namely, that's, that's a free agent after this season. Not a guy I need to see back on this team with 24 points in 79 games. Um, Adam Ernie fits that mold, too. Um, you know, so there's there's plenty of guys, Robert Hag, Jordan Osterley, of like these guys that almost feel like fillers that really don't contribute anything to the success of the team. And I hate to be so harsh like that, but um, this is a big offseason for the Red Wings. It, it really is. And you have the great thing about where the Wings are at is they have a ton of cap space and they have a ton of draft picks. They have five picks in the first two rounds, um, which is outstanding with two two of those being first round picks. So. The, the tricky thing about hockey especially is you ha- you have to build through the draft. Any any player that is worth a damn in this league, your superstars like your McDavid's and Matthews and Crosby's and McKinnon's and Pasternak's and, and all these guys, it, it, they 99% of the time are getting locked up by the team that drafted them. Unless it comes down to something where, you know, you have a – uh, a, a trade deadline situation and the wheels kind of fall off and you have to move an asset to, to reset your whole team, in which case it doesn't matter that, you know, you're, this guy's not on your team anymore because it's not the direction the team is headed. But with all this money and all these draft picks at a certain point, the Red Wings have to go acquire real NHL ready talent. And, and to be honest with you, I'm sick of the Pew suitors. I'm sick of the Adam Ernie's. I'm sick of the Austin Sarnicks. I'm sick of the Matt Lofts. I'm sick of the Alex Chasons, even though he had a really nice season when the Wings brought him on late. Um, you know, I'm sick of the Jordan Osterley. I'm sick of all these like stopgap. And I, it just reminds me of the Tigers. It's just all these random guys that get signed to like, let's see what we can get out of them. And, 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 and here's the, here's the God honest truth of, of how things have gone with those guys. Nobody's been worth a shit. The only guy I would say that has has any kind of redeeming qualities is a guy that you had signed that was like a low-risk, high-reward. Dominic Kubelik, to me, is that guy who kind of fell off at a certain point during the year, who started the year hot. Other than that, like your Ben Sherratt's, whatever. I mean, that's a guy that's supposed to be a staple of, the, of your blue line that really didn't show you a ton this year, but... You just don't see much. And I think that Red Wings fans have every right in the world to become impatient. Um, I do think that there are still a lot of things to look forward to. Another year of Lucas Raymond, another year of Mo Sider. Simon Edmondson is going to be out for four to six months with shoulder surgery, but he'll be back and he'll start the year with the big club. Um, you know, you, you saw some steps from Michael Rasmussen this year, but at the end of the day, Red Wings fans have every right to be upset. And when you go into this year's draft, I don't know what the game plan is with all these picks. Are they looking to go trade for a guy like an Eric Carlson and have San Jose eat some money so you at least get a nice player in return? Is there someone out there that Steve Eiserman's targeting? Because free agent-wise, it's hard to get real true impact players at this point. And they have enough guys to me between – your Bergerins and your Valenos and your Zadinas and your Rasmussen's, like they have enough guys to fill their bottom six. It, to me, now it becomes a game of can you put together a top six that is competent, that can that can defend against the better the better top two lines with each team in the league and can score 
and in bunches. And so far, they have not been able to do that. Um, I don't think it's a cause for panic, but I do understand where some of the stress comes at the hands of, of Red Wings fans. And, you know, for me, you look at some of the prospects they have, and at a certain point, you gotta, you're kind of scratching your head like, like, who are we waiting on? You know, I mean, Carter Mazur, um, who just signed his entry-level contract, is supposed to be a really nice player. Um, hopefully, he'll, he'll make the team out of camp next year. But even guys, you know, your Cross, Hannes, Amadeus, Lombardi, Elmer Soderblom should be up full-time next year. You're just looking for something. You know, and and hopefully in this year's draft, if you want to package two first round picks and move up, whatever you feel like you have to do, you have to start finding some impact players that can come in and, and make a difference. Marco Casper came in late um, at the end of this season and, and, you know, he'll make the club to start the year next year. But you you watch the NHL playoffs, guys, and the Red Wings are far, far away from from any of these teams, far away from any of these teams. I mean, it's, it's frustrating when you see a team like Seattle and obviously Vegas has been in the playoffs every single year since coming into the league. Um, when you see, when you see teams like Seattle and a team like LA who kind of started their rebuild with you at the exact same time, almost, uh, and you know, teams like Buffalo and Ottawa that are finishing right around you or ahead of you in the standings. Like it's, it gets frustrating for sure. So I don't know. I mean, this is just the classic like talk and circle about the wings type of deal. They have a lot of uh, decisions to make with free agents this off season. Um, you know, Alex Nadelkovich will be a free agent. I, is the plan to just to let him walk? At this point, it sure seems like it. Mark Pissick, who you didn't get to see at all this season, um, will probably not be back with the team. Magnus Helberg, um, Robert Hag, Gustav Lindstrom's restricted free agent. Jordan Osterley. Uh, Matt Loff is another RFA. Joe Valeno is an RFA. Um, and, and a couple more guys here and there that you're you're probably going to trim some fat on and, you know, hope that you make some room for some of your younger talent. At this point, I would rather see your young guys get a chance to play, and I think you have enough of a veteran presence around them with what you've acquired and what you've built here um, to where I don't really feel the need to go out and continue to go reach for these free agents just to fill spots. You need to find some impact players. So whatever, uh, I guess it was a step in the right direction the first year for Derek Lalonde. Um, they were better than they were last year, but they are still a, a very far way away from where they need to be. I don't really care to talk about that much anymore. Um, Can I say so one I thing, Rabs? Yeah, I'll turn it over to you, Collins. I, I don't really have much uh, and, else. And I, when can we start questioning? I'm not saying I want to fire it. I'm not like saying he's doing a bad job. I feel like this summer is the first time you'd be like, hey, Steve, like, what's our plan? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it is very, very fair because it's been, what has it been, five years now? Um, has it really been five years? Yeah. I mean, dude, like I said, I think it might Detroit, be a lot. It might be like, no, it's probably what? four. It's probably four or five. Red Wings fans have every have every right to be upset. And, and not, I'm not saying like upset. We're like, hey, like we trust you, Steve. But it's also not like you don't have free reign. Like we have to fucking start doing. Like they've done. They, I know they went out and signed some guys. Like Cop, I think will be eventually a nice piece. He came in the year hurt and was just never really himself the entire year. Started to play better actually the last twenty games, like you said earlier, Rev. But like. That's not what you expected out of him if you're paying him five million a year. You know what I mean? Like you expect a little bit more production. Um, Peron, I, I thought Perron was really helpful on the power play for them, but like, 
Like Wallman was a nice surprise, but other than that, like you're right, Rabs. This is it's about time you start actually making some like ballsy. What everything has been really safe since he's gotten here, and I know he did this in Tampa trying to build everything up. Know what I mean? Yeah. But they got they got to do something. They got to get some sort of talent. And I know there's guys coming up, and, and, and Sider and Raymond kind of took a step back this year, which you kind of expect in your second year, but. I think this is kind of like the first summer and, and, and next year will be one of the first years. Like if they're not good, I think people will start being like, Hey Steve, can we fucking do something? Cause I, I, I think the NHL it's it's one of the hardest leads to have sustain, sustained success. It's also crazy that the wins haven't been in a playoff mix at all the past like four or five years. That just really doesn't happen. Like unless you're a bottom barrel franchise, that usually doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, going back to when he first took over, they definitely, I mean, they did have some contracts to get out from under between your Franz Nielsen, no, your Abdicators. Sure. Um, the team, like, it, it really was a bleak, bleak future for this team. And that's where, you know, I, I gave Jeff Blaschel so long of a leash because the team just really wasn't good. And to be honest with you, like, I still don't think they're good. Um, but it's it's kind of at a point now where if you want to go back and look what, with what he did with Tampa – like, yeah, sure, you know, he had success there, and of course he wasn't there when that team finally got to lift the cup, but he constructed that team. But, like, in the draft, he, you know, he drafted Nikita Kucherov. He drafted Andre Vasilevsky. He drafted Braden Point. He traded, you know, he went out, out on a limb and traded Jonathan Druan for Mikhail Sergachev. Like, you have not seen – you have not seen draft picks like that get made to where you're like, okay, like now we're talking. Like who knows? Because there's still so much time to be to to be had, and it it just seems like the 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 Tampa team was built so much quicker than the Red Wings were. And you know, you granted you you he stole some talent in those drafts between the guys I mentioned that like, you know, those that's all world talent right now that the Wings just don't have, and and and. You know, I don't think we've seen enough from this prospect pool to where it's like you have guys that are ready to make the jump at 18, 19, 20 years old. You know, Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider are the exceptions, but you're talking about two high first-round picks. So, I mean, it's promising that Marco Casper got got some time this year and, you know, looked like he was competent. But I hear you. At a, at a certain point with, with these draft picks and with these with – these, You can't just – sit there and do nothing you know what i mean yeah. I, like you need to go get players and, and steve eiserman's whole thing was like you don't you know i don't draft players i draft prospects and he's right you 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 do draft prospects you draft guys that you're hoping that can develop and that you can you you can keep in your system for a while and when the time is right you you insert them and they're great players for you but the the fact of the matter is you really haven't been able to do that to any effect yet and, I, and sure, like when we're when we're sitting here talking in five years, I would like to think that Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider and Simon Edvinson and William Willinder and Albert Johansson and Sebastian Cosa and Robert Mastro Simone and Carter Mazur and Red Savage, like all these guys are studs. Marco Casper and they have a real team. But you know, the bottom line is, is we've been talking about this for five years or so, and there really hasn't been any needle moving whatsoever so that's where i would say to you you know maybe it's time to look at your prospect pool and and use some of your picks to your advantage and go acquire players so that's it, it's going to be a big off season another big draft for steve eiserman um and and you have to hope that this team looks a bit different going into next year because 
this team ain't this team ain't really beating anyone of substance and, and making any kind of playoff runs at this point. So that's all I got for wings. Um, we probably don't have to talk about them until the draft again, unless anyone has anything pressing to talk about. But with that, we can move into the Tigers um, before we do the Lions stuff. I know everyone's probably sick and sick and tired of hearing me talk about the wings by now. Um, Eric Haas tomorrow. Just so, just so you know, just so everyone knows, Eric Haas early. Yeah. Haas has three yeah, homers or two, two maybe. I don't know. Tigers took the first one from the Mets today, six to five. Um, Collins, I'll let you open up the open up the uh, the Tigers talk here because you missed it last week, and I don't know which way you want to get after this team, but by all means, I I'm really curious. This is just a general overview. I don't know what Scott Harris does, like with this team. I don't think he, he has any freedom to do anything. I think he does have freedom because I, I think, think the I, owner blows. The owner does blow, but guess what? I think the owner lets you do whatever the fuck you want. I mean, I think they're pretty hands off when it comes to the sports part, and that might be. I mean, they basically let Al Avila do whatever the fuck he wanted for like six years. Like, and so I, I, I think it's pretty fair that they're hands off. I'm just, I'm very interested what they do with this team because I mean, they're playing decent tonight. Their bullpen is randomly held up, which is really weird. Like they have like a bunch of random dudes in there. Chris Fetter is a great coach. Um, their starting rotation is not terrible and it's going to get better once Struble comes up. Um, I just, this team is going to win about like 75 games, have some moments and whatever. I think Javi is starting to turn it around a little bit. I think he's smelling, hey, if I can hit 270 and hit 25 home runs, maybe I can get another long-term deal somewhere. I doubt that he's ever opting out of this deal. I'm just saying, I don't think they're going to be that terrible, but I also don't, like, our prospects aren't that good. Uh, Like, do you tear it down this year? Because you have guys you can trade. This is super early to be talking about this, but... You saw a guy like Alex Lane, who's probably going to be, end up being one of the better closers in baseball this year. He's light, his curveball is lights out. You have a guy like Javi Baez, who I, I think is probably untradeable. But like a guy like Haas, who's kind of going off, that's a great bat to have in your lineup as just like a like a backup catcher. Just there's team playoff teams that would love to have a guy like that in their midst. There's Maton. I like there's a bunch. They just have a bunch of guys that are like not young particularly. They're solid, but they're not that good. Like Erod, Erod's really figured out. Like, I, are they trying to win this year? I just don't know what's going on. I mean, in my opinion, I think it's it was super super weird, and this is a great point that you bring up because in when I looked at this team coming into this season, I really thought that Scott Harris was going to come in immediately and and completely clean house, change this roster, go acquire talent, and put together a team that is competent enough to win games and compete. When this roster trotted on the field for opening day, and especially when you see the bullpen and realize, oh, you know, Greg Soto's gone, and Joe Jimenez is gone, and Andrew Chafin's gone, and you couldn't really pick out more of anyone than like Foley and Lang and Cisnero from that bullpen, that's where I was kind of like, I don't think that they're trying to do anything this year. I think that Scott Harris is trying to figure out with the talent that's here that's young, 
what does he have in these guys? You know, obviously you're, you're you have contracts like Javi and Erod, and you know Scope is still under contract. You're going to be done with Miggy after this year, but there's there's certain aspects that you, you can't really do much with what you're given, which is fine. But I mean, I like to me, I think that they are trying to win with a really, really, really poor roster. I mean, because I don't know, like I like they don't have any prospects. They don't. And they don't have any assets. Your yeah, assets, I, your assets, to be honest with you, are like Lane. It's Lane. Yeah, Lang. Lang is an asset. I mean, God, if I you do think Scooble's an asset once he gets back. Yes, I do, but the the problem the problem that I've had with this team for so long is that like as soon as someone starts to turn a corner, and the big year for me was like, you know, JD and Castiano when they when they really started to tear it all down, it's like we're just this team is in this vicious cycle of like just when you just when you have some guys that turn the corner you get rid of them and start over with these younger guys that are like further away than you anticipate. And it doesn't Dude, seem to pan like out. The third wave of the rebuild. Right. Cause like Nico Goodrum and, and Jamer Candelario aren't here anymore. They were kind of like the, I'm not, I'm just using them as an example. I would say like, this is the second wave Trent. I would second say and a half, 2.5. Cause, cause there was like the Upton years where we weren't rebuilding, but we weren't making the playoffs either. So it was yeah, weird. You know what I mean? A little frisky. I mean, I, I don't know. I just brought up the point. I just, we don't have to do, because we've done this argument a million times about like who should be playing and whatever. I'm just saying, I'm in a really weird place watching Tigers games because I'm obviously early in the season, I'm always going to root for them to win and their division shit. So if they could stay around 500 for like the first two months of the year, I could actually have a pretty enjoyable summer watching the Tigers. You know what I mean? Like I would fucking love that. Um, But I, 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 it's just very odd. Very, very odd. I, and to be honest, I will say this. This Tigers team is probably the most enjoyable Tigers team I've watched in from a, a hitting perspective. I, I know what I mean? I just, it feels like this year it's, they're just, they're having more watchable at bats. Um, the pitching's whatever. It's going to get better when people get healthy. Um, by the way, Matt Manning, 60 days on the DL for a fucking toe injury. Who knows, man? I think it's his pinky toe. toe. Yeah, I don't know. I whatever. Our luck. He's a fucking pitcher. <laughs> you gotta yeah, push a lot off of, the mound. A lot of force. A lot of force on that toe when you're coming downhill on the mound. Sixteen ADL. Gotta push off the rubber. Bad toe. I don't know. Have you ever like broken your foot? That shit heals in like a month. It really yeah, does. You go. Like the only thing you can't do is like run and jump. I whatever. I don't know. Very odd. But um, I I. I love baseball. I just I, I thought it was weird. I was just throwing it out there. I don't really know if we're like rebuilding, we're going for it. They're they're in this weird standstill. A couple notes before we move on to the Lions, and I know everyone wants to talk about it. I think Michael Lorenzen is terrible. He's pitching tonight. I think yeah. that's a that's a thing that people are gonna have to like he had a really nice start against Baltimore and his stuff looked really good. And he was pretty solid for the Angels last year, if I if I'm being correct. But like just watch out for that. He could legit have an awful season. Um, Boyd's been pretty solid. I like our pitching, kind of. Like, Turnbull hasn't really been there, but he's coming off Tommy John. I kind of like our pitching. Like, Wentz wasn't great today, but I kind of like Wentz. Um, Erod's basically been lights out the last three starts, so 
that's another thing that they're going to have to look at if they get in the deadline, maybe moving him. Lane is really good at the back of the pen. Foley's really good at the back of the pen. And, and Fetter's done a really good job around the edges with this. I like our pitching. It's kind of weird. And Trent said this today. I think we're starting to see a little bit more of what Javi actually is. Like, he hit a home run today, first one of the year. I don't think he's in a hit for average like he has been the last, like, two. I mean, he had, like, a 15-game hitting streak at one point. He's a streaky player. I don't ever see that, like, continuing. But I think you're starting to see why, like, Javi Baez is a worth, not worth, but he was paid $162 million. Like, you finally have some sort of an impact player. Um, that's nice to see. So, I think you're actually going to have some entertaining Javi moments. And I want to say this. People are, are, like, legit. I don't – people are rushing this Torkelson green thing. Like, yes, I don't think they're going to – at this point, they're not superstars. And guess what? If you're going to be a superstar, you probably show it a lot quicker than Torkelson's going to be. I stand by it. I think he's going to be a pretty good Major League Baseball player if you give him the time. Um, I'm not writing off Tork. I think he's going to be pretty solid. Um, I'm just more disappointed in green. Everyone's super disappointed in Tork. Like – Tork can't catch up to a fastball. Yeah, that's a major issue. And what I, I what Riley Green, I just I when I, when I watched him in Toledo, he hit for power. He was running all over the place. He's actually been a pretty good defender for the Tigers, but I just haven't liked what I've seen. I swing super long, and guess what? It takes some time in Major League Baseball. Like I look at a guy like Adam Duvall, or like. Uh, there, there's countless guys that it, it takes three or four years, especially at the plate to kind of hone in your skills. I'm just, I, I, am I the only one who's more disappointed in green than Torkelson and people are like green's in 240, whatever. whatever. Well, you, you've been on that wave. I, I think it, I just said, I thought, I think green has a high, high ceiling and he has not, he, he well, is. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, our listeners know how you feel about Green. You've been on this since before either one of them either played played a game for the Tigers. You said Green's going to be the guy who's better than Torque. So I, I can understand why you feel that. I don't know. I who I'm more disappointed in. I think that's that's tough because I think they're kind of a Torque is probably because he was Torque was one one. Like everyone had him one, but yeah, I don't know. They're watchable. That's all we asked for preseason. I just wanted to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I I I think the frustration with those two guys and and when when Trent and I were on here last week, I was definitely, you know, that was I think where I was kind of like with Torgelson and Green just losing my patience. And yeah, of course they're young, they're young guys. You got to give everyone time. It's not easy to play at the major league level. I understand that and whatnot, but I really think where everyone gets frustrated with all the teams in Detroit is that it, you look around the league, and especially in baseball, like your Bobby Witts and your Adley Rutschmans and your um, Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, who, that's exactly the guy I was going to say. There are so many teams across all these sports that seemingly find this talent, and maybe you can make the case for the Red Wings. That, I mean, they had the Rookie of the Year last year in Mo Sider, but there's all these teams that find this young talent that it only takes them – I don't know, maybe a year or two of playing in the minors or playing, you know, playing juniors or whatever it is. And they come in and make an immediate impact. The Tigers don't have those guys at all. Like Casey Mize is, is a, is an afterthought. Now Torkelson and green are two 
I mean, what you took Torque first overall, you took Green what third, fifth? I think it was third. Might have been fifth. I don't know. Sounds right. And and at a certain point, and I get that not every guy like it's maybe it's unrealistic of me to expect the line or the the, the Tigers to be able to draft guys that. But but you, how many? First overall, second, third, fourth, fifth in the last decade have you had? And everyone is fucking so average at best. So average at best. Like Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green is an average baseball player. He's still young. Spencer Torkelson, I got news for you, is a below average baseball player who plays first base for you and and he doesn't hit homers. He doesn't hit for power sometimes, but but it's it's just so frustrating. Every other team in the the Pirates are unbelievable this year. Every other team in the league in baseball, football's a different story. Now we'll get to that in a second. Basketball, hockey, every other team in the league does less or does more with less. Every other team in the league finds talent lower in the draft, except our teams. Our teams can't find anyone. And Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson and Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal kind of came out of nowhere. These are the guys I'm supposed to rest my laurels on, and they all are they all stink or they are hurt or they're just not good yet. So maybe we can revisit this conversation three years from now when Spencer Torkelson's still batting 220, and you guys got to sell me on the fact that oh well, when you know when he's He's not going to hit for average, Rabs, but he'll hit 20 homers a year. I don't care. It's not good enough. I'm sorry. It's just not. So that's it. You want to ask about Scott Harris and what he does, what he can do. Go find me some fucking young talent, dude, that I can be excited to watch. Because I got news for you. Your two poster children in Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, they don't do it for me at this point. They don't. They're not enough for me to get to turn on the TV. I'm not watching games to watch Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. And I should be because they're supposed to be young, exciting pieces. I turned the game on to watch the team that I grew up rooting for my whole life. And they're not good. And they haven't been good in a decade. Well, I would say my last thought on this, and this is a little, not to push back on anything you guys are saying, but like Colin said, this is the most watchable the team's been since the playoff years. It's that back half of the COVID year. Okay, that's fair because that was a 60-game season and the Tigers were actually in the mix. But I will also add, if the Tigers can – and they have they have not, to be fair, they have not played a whole lot of AL Central games yet. And the AL Central, to Rabs's point – Roster, their they're schedule the has been seven wins. Yeah, yeah, it was insane to start the year. And, you know, every team what – what division is it? The AL East that we suck against and then everyone else were world beaters. It's like yeah. the Royals have seven wins, the White Sox have nine. You are five games back from the division, and it's still only May. And I might add, if uh, you know, shout out to Brock. Brock texted me this stat: Tigers undefeated in May, and they're up three zero right now. I don't want to jinx anything; it's early, but we'll see. We'll see where things go. I just, I, I understand the frustration because I was Rabs and I were ripping them a new one last week. But a lot can, ch- you know, they're four and six in their last ten. They're basically a five hundred team. So let's just see if they can hover if around they play that five hundred baseball. I'm more than fucking happy. Yeah, me too. Exactly, exactly. And I just – all I'm saying is they really haven't – if you look at the schedule, they have not played a whole lot of uh, AL Central games yet. And the the, the division sucks. So, you know, there's an opportunity to open the door a little bit there. That's all I'm saying. So, we'll we'll, obviously, we'll keep 
we'll keep everyone posted as the season goes on. We'll have plenty to talk about, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, the team's clearly capable of winning games. You know, they're they're not 500, but I mean, they nice win today against the Mets, and they're playing them again right now as game two of the doubleheader. So we'll see. I mean, it's 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 definitely too early to to jump ship. Like that, they're still trying to figure it out. But the manager stinks too. I mean, I I hope we're on. I mean, I know Trent's on my side with that too. He's. I mean, I at a certain I, point we, we we're allowed to look I, at the manager. And, huh. I just don't let I I'm not a fan anymore. Well, yeah, at a certain point we're allowed to look at the manager and and you know one plus one does but still it, equal it's two. Just at some point you have to have like a brain, and like when people like hit three hits and they have a double header and you're sitting the guy in the second half of the double header because of analytics. Correct. That's when I think you just like are you are not acting for yourself. So I don't. Know. Yep. Um, okay, so now we'll get to the part of the episode that most people I think are sticking around for. Um, but here we go. Lions, the 2023 NFL draft is in the books. Um, there were, I mean, it's it's funny. You know, we had our whole our whole draft preview show and whatnot, and none of us were even anywhere close to what this team was going to do. And that just goes to show that there's really mock drafts can only tell you so much. No one really knows what they're talking about ever. Um, and when it comes to the Lions, you know, I think we probably looking back should have known better that this like we weren't going to get this right no matter how much we talked about it because there was in no way shape or form um with what the lions did in the first round that i see it coming but of course they they are sitting there with the sixth pick as we see come off the board bryce young cj stroud definitely a definitely a punch in the gut to see the texans come back in to trade for will anderson because it did sound like as time was going on there was a possibility that he would fall to six, um, but Will Anderson goes, Anthony Richardson goes to the Colts at four, Devin Witherspoon, who was circled on a lot of people's boards, if that's the guy going to the Lions at six, um, and then at six, the Lions trade out, uh, the Lions trade out with Arizona, who comes up and takes Paris Johnson, um, however, you go back to 12, and I mean, I guess we. I want to attack this first. Of what? What were your thoughts when the Lions at six are looking at Tyree Wilson and they're looking at Jalen Carter, and you see that they have traded back to twelve? What were What were your both of your initial thoughts on that front? Well, the, it's two different things because I think everyone's on the. I, everyone better be on the same page with Jalen Carter. I hope. I mean, because because the thing is, is like, yes, he's a great player. If you look at like everything Dan Campbell was saying, what they're looking for in this draft, he's the antithesis of that. Like his character, he's got character issues. Is he motivated? I don't. And look, I think Philly's a good landing spot for him. I think he might be great in Philly, but fit is underrated. Like he was not going to be a fit in Detroit. And then Wilson, Rabs, you talked about it last week before we, uh, you know, before the draft actually happened, of course. And you talked about how he was being talked about as, as getting drafted high based on his projections, similar to Trayvon Walker last year with the Jaguars. So I don't really, for a team that's ready to win now, I don't really think you need to draft guys based on projection. I And that's where, you know, not to open Pandora's box here, but that's essentially what Brad Holmes did in this draft was he got guys who were mature and ready to play and help the team win right now, which is brilliant. So not to get too far down that rabbit hole, cause we'll get there, but Collins, you can give your thoughts on, cause you were, you wanted Jalen Carter. So what, what were your thoughts on Carter and Tyree Wilson? Um, I understood trading back. They got another pick in the second round. Made sense. Um, 
I didn't really the Tyree Wilson. I didn't know a ton about him. I think the Lions have the culture um, to take a guy like Jalen Carter. They didn't feel comfortable picking him. I'm fine with them trading back. The problem I have is I I just didn't like what they did in the first round, and, and that doesn't mean that I I'm saying this is the thing that is the worst about Lions fans. I, and I fucking love the Lions, but Lions fans make me make it out like I hate the Lions sometimes when I try to have an objective like thing. They shouldn't well, I think, be. I, I, think, I think the majority didn't like the pick. I think you're on. The no, jury. no, no. I know. But like, there's a difference between like, I don't really understand why Brad did that. And people are like, why you're not trusting Brad Holmes. I trust him. This guy's going to be good. This is just such a short sighted pick. I don't understand that. And people are like, oh, their windows now. The NFC is really bad. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I, and I watched Gibbs. He was really good at Alabama. He wasn't like a, a generational Bama bat. I've watched a bunch of these Bama bats look a lot like Gibbs. So when they took him at 12, I was like, okay, I knew Swift was gone after that. I think we all kind of felt Swift was gone anyway. Um, I just... I, I just felt like that pick was super short-sighted, the 12th pick. In 18, you take Campbell. They needed a linebacker. Some people said it was a reach. Some people don't. I don't I don't know what to believe with these draft boards half the time. Um, I just don't get why they took a running back at 12. I would have went defense. I, I, I just – you're the best offensive line in the league. I If you really wanted to go running back, um, I think you could have went a little bit later or you could have – I think Swift was fine. I think there's obvious re. I think the staff hated Swift. You know what I mean? Like that, well, that yeah, had to be the case. Let's do the Swift thing in a little. Let's let's talk about Jameer no, Gibbs. I, I, yeah, we can do that. But I'm just, I just Jameer, didn't like going right. money back there. I thought it was thought they should have went in the secondary. I would have been fine with Gonzalez. I and people were like, they signed all the. They're all signed for like one year. Do we? Uh, this isn't a. The, the Lions have an opportunity to win the North this year. Very clear opportunity. Do I think they're as good as some of the teams that are on the AFC to like win a Super Bowl? Not yet. We still need a little bit more young talent on the defense. And I, I just, I felt like we're going to be pretty good in the next couple of years. This was an opportunity for us to either go with Carter, go with the guy from Texas Tech to get some more elite defensive talent. And we kind of like put all our chips into our offense. I didn't really get it. I just didn't get that pick. And and there's a difference between he's gonna be good. All these guys that they're taking the first round running backs, everyone's like, oh, they're bust. They're bust. Like Todd Todd really was fucking awesome for three years. So Gibbs is gonna be a great football player, and he's gonna help them in the immediate, which is gonna be exciting. I just I don't like the it, it is a and you know what? I, I, we talked about Steve Eisman. Brad Holmes said, fuck it. I'm taking my guys. This is yeah. a risk. Yep. Like, this is a, like this is a true, like, balls on the table type of move for Brad Holmes. So we'll see. But I, I just, I didn't really understand running back at 12. And I like the trade bet. That's smart. That's yeah. smart. I just didn't, I, I just didn't like what they did at 12. And I, to be honest, I didn't like the tight end they picked either. I don't, I, I think they were, they got cute there instead of taking, uh, Matthew Mayer and yeah. people are gonna be like, Oh, Mayer's the bit bigger name and whatever. But like, if you watch Notre Dame this year, they literally had nobody on offense. He had a bad quarterback too. And he still was putting up numbers and he can block. So, and people are gonna be like, Oh, well the guy from Iowa was in the same. 
he's going to be a fine player too. He's an Iowa tight end. They're all pretty solid. It's a pretty sure thing. I'm not, I just, I, I think they got, like, like I said, they got really cute, I thought. And guess what? Brad could fucking completely prove me wrong. But I, I just thought they, I, a lot of weird things Brad did in the first three picks. But I liked the draft after that. The whole theme of the draft was, Collins, you said it a hundred times, go get your guy. That was the whole theme of the draft for Brad Holmes. And this is, I understand why this is like scary territory for some Lions fans because we've never been in this position. Because if you count backwards with me, it was Bob Quinn, and then it was Mayhew, and then it was Millen. Like, these guys all sucked. And Brad Holmes has done more in two years than those guys did in all their years combined. So, Collins, I agree with you that, like, we might question the pick a little bit, and then you get everyone skeptical and they think that you're not trusting Brad Holmes. No, it's not that. It's just this is a very different approach than what Lions fans are used to. And I told you guys last week, I was more excited for this draft than I've ever been for a draft, and it had nothing to do with the players. There wasn't a, a big, uh, you know, Simmons that I wanted, or a, or a big Josh Allen, the linebacker out of Kentucky that I wanted, or you know, some great prospect that I had my eye on. It had nothing to do with that. It's the fact that we've got a general manager who has the leash and the rein to do whatever the hell he wants to do because the team's ready to win right now. So you don't have to love the picks, but to say you hate them. Is, is And I'm not saying Colin said this. I'm just saying because there were people out there, and I texted you guys. I said, I'm going scorched earth on the negative Nancys on this next podcast because to the people out there that were you know, saying this pick sucked and it's a reach, you are insulting the intelligence of Brad Holmes, who is a 180 of everything that the Lions have had in the front office for the last two decades plus. So I'm just – I would like that to be known. Also, fans know nothing. For people saying we okay. could have gotten, I hate that, Trent. I hate when you say that. Oh, okay. listen, listen, Collins. To say we could have got Gibbs at eighteen, maybe. But you know what, Brad Holmes oh, that... and the report was the Jets were going to take him at fifteen. So my, all I'm saying is that these these GMs know more than we do. So let's not just rip these guys to shreds. Like, what are they doing? We could have got him at eighteen. Like, relax, because we don't know that. And and. And this is not a Jelani Tavai situation either. It's like Jameer Gibbs was the first round pick on almost everyone's board that I saw. So that's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm just I get a little irritated when it's so far the other way where everyone's being overly negative all the fucking time because it's just different. It's different now. We have a general manager who is changing his approach because the team is ready to win. And again, I, I don't know how to make this any more clear. Like, I understand why some Lions fans put the wall up and they're defensive and they're scared because they don't understand what's going on and trading Swift and trading Okuda and trading Hawkinson. I, here's the thing. I don't think people understand. How, how are people not seeing the pattern there? Like, those are all Bob Quinn's picks. All Brad Holmes is doing is getting his own guys in here that he sees fit. And, and newsflash, as Rabs would say, I got news for you. All these guys, like... All of Brad Holmes' picks have hit, with the exception of maybe Levi Onuzrike, who apparently is coming back healthy this year. That's all I'm saying. That's all, and Collins, I'll give you, a, I'll give you an opportunity. And obviously, we gotta get Rabs in here. But I just the anger towards the pick just pissed me off. That's all I'm saying. I, because, I yes, just don't. I, you could not like the pick and still settle down. That's all I'm saying. No, for sure, and. and Brad Holmes has earned my trust. I trust Brad Holmes. 
I don't fucking trust the Lions. I don't understand where we got this. We went nine and eight last year, not 12 and fucking five. I'm so fucking sick and tired of like, of people not being able to handle, like, I just don't get that. Like, I can criticize the team. They've never been good in my life once. Once. Yeah, but we're, but we're not talking about the team. We're talking about no, the I, I And Trent, I, I know what you're saying. I I am not like, oh, fire Brad Holmes. Oh, he's over his head. Brad Holmes is. Of course not. Yeah. Everything he's fucking done since he's gone to Detroit has been fantastic. The Stafford trade, great. His draft last year, great. Some of the free agent signings he made, great. I, David Montgomery, I love that pickup this year. Someone we watched in the North that was underutilized on a bad offense. I love that. I love the sudden signing. I love Gardner Johnson. Like, he is nothing for me. But I I don't understand. And this is and this is sports fandom. And I, I guess that's just probably the answer. I I didn't jump down my throat because I'll be like, ah, oh, that's kind of weird. And say, so, oh, trust Brad, trust Brad. Has he ever done anything wrong? No, he hasn't, but I've also watched this team. I've watched, like, I I don't know. I just, the Lions fandom is so weird because there's either the pessimist, two pessimistic people that are the worst. Like, I hate those people the absolute most when you watch a Lions team. You're like, oh, they suck. Oh, like, I want to root for my team. But the other side of it where it's just like, oh, they can do no wrong. You don't, try, I hate that saying that we don't know what the GMs are doing. Like, I. Then what? Why? Why should I have an opinion, though? No, you can so have an opinion. Like, you you can have an opinion. opinion. I just get a, I get triggered and and pissed off when I see people, these people that have done eight hundred fucking mock drafts since January, and none of them, none of their mock drafts had Jameer Gibbs. So it's it's just that's like, fair. I don't care what you think. Not you. I'm saying I don't care what no, you I idiot think yeah. because you are not Brad Holmes. Let the guy at least make his pick and give this a chance to breathe because this is not Matt Millen or Mayhew or Quinn. That's all I'm saying. Collins, I no, get not, I get I, this. I, I, I totally do. I really do. But it's no, just but like yeah, how do you guys see this? What last thing I'll say before Ravs doesn't talk at all, which is prime, but um <laughs> I just don't I I see this football team as a team eventually, if they're gonna be super successful, run the football, have a nice play action game. And have a defense where you can get after the passer and turn the ball over, right? That like, sure. And I just fair. I feel like we don't ha- have not given the defense enough tools. I really don't. Well, and we went out in free agency. All the defensive players are young. Every single one of them. So I, I that's what I'm just saying. I just wanted some depth on the defensive side of the ball, and they didn't really do that until Branch, who I think will help them immediately. I think he's going to have to play like early. Um, the defensive tackle from Western Kentucky, we'll see. I'm just saying, I think that they could have helped their depth on the defensive side of the football, and they didn't really do that. I mean, he's not a defensive tackle from Western Kentucky. He's a guard, right? From uh, West, from uh, Western Kentucky? That's a, he's an offensive guard. I think yeah, I mixed that up. No, no, yeah, no, no. I no. mean, he's, he's a well, – the kid from William and Mary is a is a tackle. The kid from uh, – The kid from yeah. Western Kentucky. He's a huge defensive defense. tackle. Yeah, he's huge. He's like just, six, I, five, that's, that's my point. I, I I just I felt like they should have prioritized defense because at the end of the year we saw the lack of depth and the lack of talent in that group. So I don't know what you think, Rabs. I don't know. Well, I would. I mean, there. How do I want to approach this? 
I do understand the sentiment of you have to trust the GMs. The GMs have, you know, Brad Holmes has conversations and, and has information that we don't have access to. And my point in saying all of that is, you know, Jameer Gibbs is a perfect example of if that's the guy that Brad Holmes had circled, that that's the guy he wanted and he knew he could get him at 12, but if you wait till 18, he might not be there. Then that's fine. Those are the those are decisions that when I when I look at how good general managers are, a very very big component of that is having the awareness of like what how do you maximize your position and still get the guy that you want without missing your guy or or trading for too little, too much, whatever. Can I so, say something real quick, Rabs? To go yeah. along with that, just real quick. I think Devin Witherspoon was their guy, and once he went five. That's when they traded back, and it's kind of back to the drawing board. Go ahead. That's that's fine. Like then, that's a fine theory. So for me, it's very easy for me to sit here. Who looks at this team is very black and white. They need help on defense. They need D. They need D tackles. They need D ends. And so when you're sitting there at six, and Devin Witherspoon falls, and I see that Jalen Carter's on the board, and that Tyree Wilson's on the board, I go great. This was probably the best case scenario. If Will Anderson was still there, it would be a dream situation, and I would like to think that they're probably taking him if he's there at six, but they're not. And then you trade back. So now I'm thinking, like, okay, what? Like, do they think that they can get Jalen Carter at twelve? Like, my mind starts to race. And then when you take the running back, my first thought absolutely was like, I can't believe I'm like I'm seeing this right now because to me it was not an immediate need whatsoever. It's like, that's a luxury pick to me. And, and Deandre Swift, and I know that this is probably a whole nother segment that we can do, but I'll tie it in right now. I'll be the first one to tell you. I think that this fan base and this team was a bit unfairly impatient with him. I understand that he's hurt all the time and that happens. And that's a very big part of evaluating a player and a player's value is your availability and he was hurt all the time. But when he was active and they would actually hand him the ball, he was incredibly effective, incredibly effective in space too. I don't think there would have been anything wrong with having DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery, and Jameer Gibbs on your roster to start the year, and now we're having an orgasm because of what this team can do on defense. But you trade Swift, whatever. Jameer Gibbs is, will be, will be a, I'm sure, a fine replacement. I, running back shelf life at this at this day and age is, is a different story. So. Nonetheless, that's your pick. I, I have to just trust the fact that Brad Holmes knows what he's doing. And when he came over here to take over the GM role with the Lions, that's his bread and butter. It's evaluating talent. It's scouting. It's 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 being successful in the draft. I will tell you one thing that's getting a bit old is the Brad Holmes banging on the table, kicking people in the face when I, every time he makes a pick. Like, if Jameer gives us some all It's world, insane, Rabs. Well, it is it the just, most played out thing ever. It, it, it is. Why like, is it getting old? Can I ask you that? Why is that getting old? Because it's like, because it, it's, it, it's like you know the camera's there. It's the most ungenuine I thing ever. I get that, but he's hit two home runs when he's done it. So he must clearly be pretty fired up. That's all I'm saying. That's and fine. I still and Aiden Hutchinson so far. There's a difference between like being fired up and like, oh, he's doing the exact same thing. Like, they, like. There's never just like a handshake, like, yes, we got our guy. It's like, oh, let me bang on this table obnoxiously because I know I'm going to get a good <laughs> I Twitter just, cycle. I think it's different because, like, Panay Sewell, like, f- fell to them. 
and Aiden Hutchinson fell out of one to you, Jameer Gibbs was like, everyone's looking around like, dude, like, would you think you really couldn't get him if you wanted him that bad? Like, what, like, what is the issue? The Campbell pick at 18, I, I, I did really like when the pick was made because I just think he's a, he's a run disruptor and he's just a, 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 he's a Dan Campbell guy like that to me is just a football player. But I mean, again, when you look at like mock drafts, not that they mean anything, but it's like, these are, you know, probably guy, that's a guy you probably could have gotten later in the draft. Well, I don't care. Like get, get, get your guy. Sure. The flip side is Brian branch was going first round for a lot of people and you got him or I don't know. He was in the green room. Like he clearly yeah. thought he was going first round. Yes. And I think and that's him at that, 40, 45. You got him at that's the potential steal of the draft. So what you know, as far as these players are concerned, I am just trusting Brad Holmes that watches much, 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 much more tape than I do. That he drafted players that are going to help this team immediately. Um, and and it almost feels like they're trying to follow this model of like what the Chiefs do of like, let's just add as much as we can on offense because if we can outscore everyone, then our defense doesn't have to be as good. My thing is that I walk away, and similar to the tune of Ryan Collins, is that your glaring needs on this team were defense, and you drafted one player that plays on the defensive line who's a defensive tackle. And so I would, in looking at the roster, like, I mean, sure, hopefully Pascal can stay healthy this year. You have another year of Hutch, um, you know, between Isaiah Bugs and Kaminsky. Um, yeah. So like I, they clearly feel like they have enough on that line to, to be good. I just think that when you are looking at the draft and you have an opportunity to get players that are good, that fill, fill a position need, that's where you should go. And for Brad Holmes to stand up in his press conference and go, we don't draft based on like the depth chart. I'm thinking, well, dude, maybe you should take a look at it because you're thin in some areas and not so thin in others. So I, I coming away from it now, like I'm fine with everything. I'm fine. They took Jameer Gibbs at 12. I'm fine. They took Campbell at 18. I mean, Collins, I agree with you. I think they got a little cute on the tight end pick. And every time the lions take a tight end period anywhere, it, it stresses me out. So I think that pick was a little bit cute, but I mean, all in all, like, I think they did fine. Like I'm, do I know anything about this kid that went to William and Mary? I do not. Do I know anything about the defensive tackle that went to Western Kentucky or wherever? I do not. So that's where it comes down to scouting and guys that fit and fit the culture. And to me, culture fit is huge. It's hard to do in the NFL because you have, 53 players that you have to keep track of. So if they are taking guys that they think might be a little bit less talented and less effective because they are better fits in the room and are coachable guys that can be leaders and, and whatnot, I'm fine with that. So I, I, as far as like draft grades and whatnot, like again, the biggest, the glaring thing for me is that you can't sell me, there was not a single cornerback out there that they didn't like that they felt that could contribute, that there wasn't a DN that they liked that that, that, that could contribute. I just don't – I think that they neglected the defensive component of this draft. They take a wide receiver in the seventh round. They take the tight end. They take the running back. 
You know, I love the fact that they got a linebacker, an interior linebacker. Um, that was awesome. Like that was going to be a need at some point. I'm fine that you only took one. I just would have liked to have seen some more help on the defensive line. I liked that they took a guy that's probably going to play guard in the NFL and that, you know, the guy from William and Mary. So whatever it's, it, it is what it is. I mean, this is, you can't go back now. So I, I Jameer Gibbs is going to get to play a lot. Um, I would like to think that Campbell can start over Alex Anzalone. I don't necessarily think that that's a big ask to beat him out of camp, but Again, to me, it, it, I mean, I, they just need help on defense. And I guess if you score 60 points a game, you can let up 59 and it's not going to hurt you. But, you know, to me, you know, this 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 Lions team had one of the best offenses in the NFL last year and they only won nine games. And that to me is where it comes down to defense wins championships. And it, it the proof is in the pudding. It, it doesn't matter how many points you score because I watched the Lions score a lot of points last year, and they only won nine games. So you got to be able to stop someone at some point. Um, I would like to think the defense is going to be better this year. I really think that it will be, and it better be. So whatever. The, the draft is the draft. Can I say one thing on that on that front? Because I of agree course. with you that the defense wins championships, and, and you know our defense needs a little work. I completely agree. The rebuttal to that, which I don't wholeheartedly agree with, but I think it's worth mentioning, is your two sack leaders last year were rookies. You know, you have a rookie linebacker in Malcolm Rodriguez who's now going to go into his second year. The entire secondary got overhauled. You know what I mean? Tracy Walker's not even going to start anymore. It's going to be Kirby Joseph and hopefully Brian Branch by, you know, week three or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So I'm just saying, like, there's there's reason. I, I do think there's still a little soft in the middle. But, Rabs, I think I cut you off earlier. You were going to mention Romeo Quara. He's coming back. So, like, I, I don't really think it's – as bad as it might seem on its face value, just because you do have a ton of young. And and I'm not, I know I say this all, I say this with every sport that we talk about on here because every Detroit team is perpetually rebuilding. I get it, but you still like the lions just had the most successful season they've had since 2016. Tom Brady's won three Super Bowls since then, just to put that into context, random stat for you. The, the, this defense while it does need a lot of work, we said it all year. All three of us were in agreement. It's not a lack of personnel or a lack of talent. It's just a lack of experience. So, yes, am I, would I have liked to see them pick another another defensive lineman or two? Sure. But, again, that, that to me, that comes back to the whole I don't have a big gripe with anything, and I'm not going to sit here yelling at the clouds and whatnot. I just want to see James Houston get more snaps. I want to see Aiden Hutchinson tear it up and be more consistent. I think if those things happen – then those needs on defense aren't nearly what we think they are right now. And, and also one last thing, the whole stocking up on offensive talent, and I'm including, you know, your free agent class, because you obviously brought up Montgomery, you bring back Marvin Jones. Like Ben Johnson might be your most valuable asset in the whole facility. So it, it, it makes sense to me why he would want to stock up on his, because that's the other thing. Ben Johnson probably had a huge say in drafting Jameer Gibbs. He, he probably was like, give me that guy. He can, you know, line up out wide. You can go in the slot. He doesn't even play running back half the time. He's lining up and running routes. So I'm just saying, I know I keep saying that. I'm just saying. But if do we want to talk about the Swift thing before we, you know, wrap this one up? Yeah, go ahead. I just here, – here's what I don't here, – here, my knee-jerk reaction to the, to the Jameer Gibbs pick, and I think everyone would agree, is once that happened, we knew Swift was out the door. It was just a matter of when. 
People saw the draft compensation or, or the trade compensation, which was a seventh round pick, like moving up in the seventh round and a fourth rounder in 2025. People thought that was ridiculous. There was an outrage about that like whole thing, and we gave up on Swift too early. Here's the deal. The alternative to that was cutting, cutting him in camp for nothing and letting him leave for nothing. So any trade package for DeAndre Swift at that point is valuable. You have no leverage in any trade talks. You just signed David Montgomery. You just drafted Jameer Gibbs top 12. So you have no leverage in terms of like getting more get, – like teams will just wait for you to cut him, and then they'll go after him. So I was actually surprised they were able to get something in this year's draft, which is move up in the seventh round. I think that's when they took the wide receiver. But um, I, I just – Philly is a good fit for him. He might be great. Here's the bottom line. Rabs, you alluded to it. He's always hurt. He's played. He started 16 games for the Lions in three years. So he started one season's worth of games in three years. You want to know how many more carries Jamal Williams got last season than, than DeAndre Swift? Take a guess. Either one of you. Um, 50. Nope. Jamal, nope. Jamal Williams 80. got – 163 more carries than DeAndre. Oh, that was so close. 163. That is an average of 10 more carries a game. So I'm just, I, 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 and it goes back to my thing here. The only Quinn guys left that are starters are Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, Jonah Jackson. Okay. Now you, some people might say Tracy Walker, he's not going to start. Some people might say Romeo Cora, probably not going to start. And, and he just took a pay cut this year. So like, we are getting these guys out the door. That's all I'm I, – I don't really understand how people didn't see the pattern of, like, that's why we traded Swift. We simply did it because Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson wanted their own running back. So you guys can run with that. I just – I 100% see the, see the logic there. And I like Swift. It's not like he bitched about the team and badmouthed the franchise and pulled an Eric Ebron, but that's it. Yeah, I did my only last thing on the Swift thing before we turn it to Collins and probably wrap things up here. But yeah, I, I, I mean, as far as compensation, like I, I truly don't think that there was going to be any problem if you wanted to have, and I, you can only spread the wealth so much. But between Swift, who wasn't making really any money, and Gibbs and Montgomery, like that to me is a hell of a running back room if you were to hold on to Swift. Who knows? Maybe De- DeAndre Swift's the kind of guy that goes. You know, I'm I'm holding out of camp. You can trade me because I'm not going to get to play. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, whatever. It, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, apparently. something else was... I wanted to say, too, but I don't know. That's, that's – I hear I hear you. Oh, my, 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 here's my last thing. I don't necessarily think that we can continue to bail out. GMs should not be bailed out for – on the terms of like, well, someone else drafted this guy, so it's not fair to judge this guy based on this guy because it's not his guy. At a certain point with management of assets, like, yes, you you sometimes inherit players that maybe you didn't draft, but if they contribute to your team and they in, are productive, then you, know, you have a reason to make something out of that player. Now, do I think – I don't know what the market for DeAndre Swift was – I do think it's incredible that he's going to Philly where they having between him and Rashad Penny and Gainwell and Boston, like they they're paying all their running backs. Their running back room is making the same amount of money that um, Miles Sanders is making as a single human being in, in Carolina. So that offense in Philly will be fun to watch, but 
I don't know. It is what it is. If if they're good and they don't miss him, then fine. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to look back on this and go like, oh, I can't believe the Lions traded DeAndre Swift. To me, running backs don't don't mean a whole lot to me anymore at, at this point. And the the running game does. They're having a running attack, but running backs not so much. Well, and you don't pick one unless you're ready to win. You don't because you don't pay them. So, like, you have a four-year window. And also, if you pick them in the first round, you get that fifth-year option. So that's essentially what you're looking at now. And Swift was in that contract year. He was not a first-round pick. So that you didn't get that extra fit. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Swift was – you were going to have to pay him, and he hadn't shown that he was healthy up to that point. I don't know. Collins, you got any thoughts? Um. On the Swift thing, you're not going to get anything, especially when you have no leverage after you draft a running back. Um, he's a good player. He's going to be good in Philadelphia. It, I, I, it feels like there's something going on with the coaching staff. I, I just stick by that because he, I, I don't know. He just didn't fit in with them, and whatever. I think it, that's fine. I think football and hockey are those two sports where culture actually really matters. So if he's not living up to what Campbell wants, that's fine with me. But um. It was a fine draft. I liked what they did late. I think Branch is going to play immediately. Um, I actually don't – Antoloni's going to start. I truly believe that. Um, Campbell, I, I, I think they'll, they play two guys inside. Like, Rodrigo is not going to start over Campbell. Like, so I, I think Antoloni's going to play there. But um, I, I, I'm very – I'm very curious to see what this offense looks for. And by the way, the one thing I hate when people get drafted are like, oh, he's going to be like their Elvin Kamara. He's going to be yeah. like their Debo Samuel. Those guys are fucking awesome. Can you just compare them to someone like he's going to be a good running back? How about that? Send yeah, me Debo Samuel, who's maybe the best offensive player in the league when he's right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hate that shit. So I, I'm still fired up. I, I mean, I can't. I think that. F- who do the Lions play week one, Trent? Are they we home week schedule, one? Schedule's not out yet. We know the opponents, oh, but we don't know the, the schedule. If they're home week one, I'm not kidding. That is going to be bananas. Yeah, yeah let's go. We'll be there. I'm happy. I, 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 I'm questioning the draft, but it's not like I, I'm just like deflated and stuff. This Lions team, if you look at the NFC North, uh, NFC North and the NFC as a whole, they have an opportunity to actually do something they haven't done in my lifetime, which is to go deep in the playoffs. So I'm excited. That sounds good to me, guys. Is there anything else we should cover today before we wrap it up? I don't think Matt so. Matt Burley hit another home run. Scherzer's washed. I got to go, boys. I got to go to basketball. Okay, good luck. Love you guys. Make sure you stretch. Love you too. All right, well, as Collins takes off, I guess we'll wrap it up, Trent, for Trent. Bally for Ryan Collins. I'm Ryan Rabinowitz. Um, that's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. You can join the conversation with us on social media. We are on Facebook at the Facebook or at the Motown Rundown page. Um, we are also on Twitter at Motown underscore Rundown. Uh, submit questions, topics you want to hear discussed on the show. Uh, and join the conversation with us. We are exclusively streaming on Spotify for the time being. So if you want to throw us a follow. Um, so you don't miss when we post a new episode. That'd be greatly appreciated. One day we'll be back on Apple Podcasts. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but we'll try I, at some I point. I got to get the wheels turning on that. That's on me. That's on me. At some point we'll try. Um, but thank you guys for listening. We love you very much. We'll see you next time.